right, if not, we will be back in John 12. We're going to pick up where we left off. Go a little further. So John 12, verse 27. for the word this morning we were talking about the earlier passage where the key verse was verse 23 Jesus said the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified and I'm thankful for that that hour was come uh, that his earthly ministry would end and the church age would begin he would go to the cross uh, and you know I think in this like we said this morning it's uh, fitting that at this time uh, we see that there were Greeks or a group of Gentiles that had originally come to Jerusalem to worship, uh, but now they wanted to see Jesus himself. So uh, uh, Jesus mentions, of course, first that he must die uh, in verse 24 so that he can bring eternal life. And he uses that metaphor, the seed dying to bring a, a plant. Uh, but then verse 25, the one we hit, uh, is we've got to die to our own selves to serve the Lord and uh, uh, to find the rewards and the life to come. Uh, but I want to keep going tonight. John 12, 27 says this. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then there came... Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said unto the, uh, it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This uh, he said, signifying what death he should die. Lord, we thank you for, so much for allowing us to come back in your house tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that in this, uh, uh, in this passage tonight, Lord, that you would open up our ears and our hearts uh, to what your word has to say for us tonight. Lord, that you teach us, challenge us. Lord, in your word, draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. Help me to preach tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see uh, he is saying, verse 27, now is my soul troubled. And you think about it, the disciples had no idea of what was to come in the next few days. Uh, we know uh, they're just asking, you know, hey, we've got this group of Greeks that want to meet with you. Uh, that's really all the disciples were concerned about. But Jesus knew the future. Not only did he know the future, he knew what was going on right then and there because he was God. You know, it is clear that Jesus was God. He said he was God uh, throughout the uh, what we have recorded in the Gospels. He knew what was going on. He could read minds. He knew the future. He was God. He was fully God and fully men. He knew what was going on in Judas's mind when he was betraying him. He knew the deal that had already been made with the chief priest uh, to betray him. He knew all of that. And he because he knew that, he's saying, my, now is my soul troubled because the hour is now come. He knew that there 
there would be a sleepless night soon that would be filled with mock trials and beatings. He knew that in the morning he would stand, not this morning, but in a couple mornings, he would stand before Pilate in the judgment hall and Pilate would listen to the mob uh, and pronounce Jesus innocent on one hand, but also sentence him to death on the other hand to be crucified as if he was a guilty man. Uh, Jesus knew that his disciples would forsake him and flee uh, when the mob would come to arrest him. He knew that Peter would deny him three times before the cock would crow the night of his arrest. He knew these things. He had these thoughts going through his mind. He's saying, now is my soul troubled. He knew that they would whip him so severely on his back that it would expose the muscles and bones on his back. He knew the Roman soldiers would drive nails into his hands and his feet. He knew that uh, many would pass by as he's on the cross and would mock him along with the thieves. He knew that God the Father would forsake him. He knew that he would spend six hours on the cross with the last three in darkness. He knew the physical and the spiritual agony and pain that was to come. And he summed it all up. Now is my soul troubled. And I, I think Jesus is being real with this statement. He's giving us the truth and showing us that he felt emotions. He knew what was going to happen. He's troubled. But then he asked this question for really his disciples to think about. What and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. He's saying, hey, since my soul is troubled, should I just pray to the Father and ask the Father to take away my troubles, to remove the troubles? And it's similar to uh, later on, the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus' arrest. He's praying with Peter, James, and John, who end up falling asleep. Jesus, uh, uh, it's in the, uh, the Gospels, and he describes uh, to them in Matthew 26, 38, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And Dr. Luke tells us in Luke twenty two forty four, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So the pain and emotions that Jesus felt, those were real. Jesus wasn't a robot. He wasn't uh, unlike us. He, he knew what was to come. He knew the pain. And, uh, but then he's asking, would I pray to the Father uh, to get out of this painful death? No. He's saying uh, uh, that for this cause I came I unto this hour. Mark 14, 36. He said, uh, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. It is clear that Jesus did not enjoy what was going to come. He wasn't excited about the cross, the pain, and the suffering of it. Hebrews 12.2 says he endured the cross, despising the shame. This was not a fun thing. Uh, the pain and the suffering. And I think even more of that, just the wrath of God being poured out on him. Uh, he wasn't uh, looking forward to that part of it. But he also wasn't willing to get out of it just because it would be painful and hard. Jesus went through the cross because it was God's plan. Amen. He went through the cross uh, because for that time, he says, but for this cause came I unto this hour. And then later on, he says, not my will, but thine be done. 
And I was thinking about that this morning's message. Remember the challenging verse was 25. Uh, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Uh, and you think about that. Uh, you know, it's a challenge for us to guide our lives serving the Lord. Uh, but here's the truth. None of us, none of us are going to face the pain and suffering that Jesus went through. Even if they decide to bring back crucifixions and we have to die on the cross like he did we will never feel the feeling of God forsaking us turning us back on us so we're never going to deal with as much as Jesus did uh, the, uh, but he did not take the easy way out praise God he did not skip the pain and trouble because he loved us and he's saying hey this is the plan that we've put forward this is the whole reason I came to this earth was for this very hour to go through these things so that uh, uh, that the Lord of this world could find salvation through his sacrifice and that uh, tells me that this helps us to endure what our Bible calls in this life light afflictions Jesus didn't take the easy way out and, and if God doesn't take away all of our troubles he takes away a lot of them but if he doesn't take away all of them we can press on as well because we are following in Jesus's footsteps Jesus didn't pray to the Father to have the trouble taken away, but here's what he did pray. Uh, this four-word prayer in verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. That's his prayer. Father, glorify thy name. Not for well-being, not for comfort, but he wanted God to be honored the entire time he was on this earth. You go to the beginning of his ministry uh, when it started. <clears throat> When he came uh, to John the Baptist to be baptized, uh, and, and remember John was hesitant, he didn't want to do it. Jesus told him in Matthew 3.15, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus Christ was fulfilling righteousness in that. And then uh, further on, uh, he's talking to the women at the well. Remember, he sent his disciples into town to get something to eat. They came back with something to eat. Uh, and Jesus said he wasn't hungry and they thought maybe he had gotten food from somewhere else. Jesus said in John 4, 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We see that uh, he, his plan uh, was to fulfill all righteousness, to finish the plan, to finish the work. Uh, uh, that, and he perfectly fulfilled God the Father's will for his life. And he also perfectly fulfilled the life of a Christian. And that's, uh, and that's important because, number one, we have no better example in the Bible than Jesus Christ. If we want to know how God expects us to live, we have no better example than him. But not only that, in the face of hardship and trial, betrayal, pain and suffering, Jesus' desire was that God the Father would be honored in his life. And I believe that needs to be our desire as well. Our desire for our life is that God would be honored through us as well. That doesn't mean we never ask God to take away our trials or problems. But here's the thing. Uh, we need to pray for wisdom, uh, pray for strength and grace to live in a way that God will get the glory. Because that's, that's it. That's the end goal. That's why we were, we were created anyway. And then you think about that. God the Father answers audibly from heaven. And again, 
For those that say there's no trinity, passages like this don't make any sense. Jesus is here, and then what did he do? Throw his voice to come back. It doesn't work that way. Uh, God the Father saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And this is the third time a voice from heaven has come out uh, uh, in connection with Jesus Christ. The first time was at his baptism. The second time was his transfiguration. And now just before his death. And it's another reminder that God was glorified and would be glorified even in the cross. Because that's what the voice was affirming. God was affirming everything that Jesus had done to this point in his earthly ministry. Jesus had glorified the Father. If he hadn't, that voice would not have come from God in heaven. Would not uh, have said it. When that voice said, also I will and will glorify it again. Uh, uh, what, what's happening next is we're not going to hear another voice from heaven. But the next set of glorifications that you're going to see uh, uh, showing that... Uh, Jesus is doing the Father's will is the biggest one is when he died he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead if he did, if he was not sinless if he was not in the center of the Father's will if the sacrifice wasn't accepted Jesus would have not risen from the dead he'd still be dead today just like every other man who's died in sin uh, uh, he would not have risen uh, but he was sinless and he died for us rose from the dead and the fact that he rose again glorified God and not only that but 40 days later when he ascended back up into heaven again that wouldn't have happened if God didn't accept everything that he did he uh, ascended up into heaven and not only that he's going to continue to be glorified uh, because one day you and I uh, are going to praise God make it to heaven ourselves uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ and Revelation 4.11 says that we will be among the crowd that will say thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Aren't you glad? There's going to be glorification there, but it shows us that voice from heaven. Remember, he said it wasn't for me. It was for you. It was for us to, uh, for them to hear it, for us to read it today. So we can realize that everything Jesus did was in the Father's will. And that's important today, isn't it? Because what is justification? Remember, it's two parts. Number one, when we're saved, when we're justified uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's just as if we've never sinned. That's the easy one to remember. Uh, the Lord, he wipes away all of our sin when we're saved. But also, he imputes on our account. Uh, 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 his perfect righteousness uh, goes onto our account in place of our sin. And he couldn't put that uh, perfect righteousness from his account onto ours unless he lived it himself so it's important but then we keep going in verse 31 it says now uh, is the judgment of this world now the prince of this world be cast out and if I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me this uh, he said signifying what death he should die and see, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now uh, shall the prince of this world be cast out. See, at first glance, when I was looking at that, I was thinking that this is a prophetic verse, right? Because you, you and I, we know uh, that the devil, he, uh, he is allowed to go to and fro. He is limited by God, uh, but he is the prince of the power of this earth. He is, uh, 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 he is uh, accusing the brethren. He is uh, wreaking havoc all over this world, and it's 
it seems strange that in the past Jesus is saying something in the present tense. Now is the judgment of this world. Uh, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And he's talking about the devil. And then the more I thought about it and was praying about it and thought, uh, and the Lord just uh, reminded me of something. The, remember, we're talking about the hour is come, right? The hour of the cross has come, uh, and that time has come uh, for the beginning of the church age. But not only that, the time has come for the devil to be defeated. Amen? Genesis 3, uh, 14 and 15, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, uh, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shall thou go and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel that bruising Satan's heel uh, by the uh, seed of the woman it, that hour is come right they uh, the devil tried to destroy the woman's seed over and over again throughout uh, the old testament throughout history he tried to do that to prevent this from coming true and now the hour is come first corinthians 2 8 one of my favorite verses of the bible uh, which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would not have crucified the lord of glory and the verse it's talking about ahead is the mystery uh, of godliness, the mystery of God's plan, uh, it, which none of the princes of this world knew. They did not understand the plan of salvation. They didn't understand the gospel. They didn't understand those things because the Bible is saying if the devil, uh, if Satan understood uh, fully God's plan, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's what it says. That tells me that at the cross... The devil thought he was having his greatest victory. He thought that, uh, 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 you know, everything was going great. He couldn't be in a better spot. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's the one claiming to be God. There's the one uh, that's going to save the world. There's the one sent from heaven and everything else that's dying. Uh, and then they bury him. Uh, and then on a, on a Friday and then Saturday, nothing happens. The, he's still sealed up in the tomb. The devil's excited. But aren't you glad for Sunday morning? Uh, the devil thought everything was going great. Death thought everything was going great until death was defeated. Uh, the devil lost his power. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, and then uh, uh, that after that, his great Satan's greatest victory turned into his greatest defeat when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and lives forevermore. And you think about that. It's the Bible says he never would have done that. If he had understood. So then what's his plan after that? Since he can't go back and undo it. What's he try to do? He tries to take the word. Tries to take the gospel. And twist it and turn it. To where it's anything but just salvation in Jesus Christ. Isn't that what he does? He's lost here. So uh, uh, if, if there's a clear way to escape hell, a clear way to get a relationship restored with God, uh, a clear way to a new life uh, that Jesus paved on the cross and the devil has already ruined his chance to stop it, he's got to go after the message itself. And that's what we see. But aren't you glad that Jesus never deviated from the Father's will? He never strayed from the plan. He was perfectly and completely obedient he did what you and I can't. We can't be obedient perfectly. 
But we can strive every day to follow God's will. Amen. We can pray to him every day for strength and wisdom and grace. And I believe he'll supply that. We can get into his word and his precious promises and truth for each day of our life. And uh, we can in those times uh, uh, when God uses us in those times of uh, success through the kingdom. Uh, then we can give God the glory for every bit of it. Because that is what remember that was Jesus's prayer Father, glorify thy name, uh, honoring God with everything that he did. And that's what we need as well. We need to say a similar prayer. Father, glorify thy name in our lives. Let us be a small part of your big plan. And I believe he'll do that. I believe that the devil's biggest loss is not his final loss. And you're thinking, well, yeah, you go to Revelation, he's going to be locked. No, I'm thinking about losses today. Every time someone leaves uh, the deception and the lies of this world because the gospel turns on the light spiritually and they're touched by the Holy Spirit and they come to Jesus Christ for salvation, that is a loss for the devil. And a lot of times it's not just he's losing that one, but then he loses other ones because they become a witness. Amen. And I just want to continue to be that witness, continue to be that one that is uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And I like how he says this. And if I and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And, and the next verse says this. He said, signifying what death he should die. So he's saying, hey, like I said this morning, it's, it's the crucifixion, lifting them up on the cross to die. But I, you know me, I like words. And that's a condition if, right? A lot of times we say, if this, then that. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He was, so he will. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad it doesn't say some men, most men, the elect or anything else. It says all men unto me. All right. Well, we're going to open up the altar for prayer.